1: Welcome everyone to another Pageant Planet Podcast. This is the podcast for contestants who want to be inspired and discover how to win the crown. I'm Jessie Ledoux McMullen, Pageant Planet's Queen of Coaching, and I'm joined by Miss America twenty eighteen, Kara Mund. Today we are discussing five ways to succeed as an underdog. So, Kara, set the stage for us.
0: Yes. And I love this topic because something I feel like all of us have been an underdog in various ways and reasons. So whether it's your first time competing or you're competing from a non-pageant state at the national level, um, or if you're an unconventional contestant, maybe you have a talent that's not a typical pageant talent or a platform that you don't feel like is a typical pageant platform. uh, Maybe you're a frequent returner. You've come year after year. Uh, I feel like we... Each one of us have had a moment where we didn't feel like we were necessarily the fan favorite or, or the top dog. And we always had this, you know, mountain to climb before we got to that, to that point. Um, however, it's those that recognize that being an underdog is really an advantage are those that succeed.
1: So, so Cara, you already explained, you're really excited about this topic, but can you give us some insight into why this was a topic that you felt so passionate about?
0: Yes. So for me personally, um, you know, as I was getting ready for Miss America, I had competed four years before I won the title of Miss North Dakota. And we've talked a little bit before about how sometimes, you know, as you're getting ready for the national competition, you're looking up your fellow competitors. And um, I kept thinking like, oh, people are going to look me up. And here I'm the one that it took four years to win. Right. And I'm coming from a state that had never won or a state had never placed in the top five before. And for some reason, I thought because it had never, happened that it never would. And I, you know, my dream was always to to go to Miss America and it was to be Miss North Dakota. It was never to be Miss America. Um, and I think part of it was that I had never seen it done and I never thought it could be done because mm. it hadn't been done. And, um, you know, there's there's so many things where I look back now and at least my first three years competing before I won that final year, I kept kind of like counting myself out and I kept thinking like, oh, oh, well, you know, I'm, I've am i competed year after year and I'm not going to get it this year because I didn't get it before when I felt very prepared. And um, then even preparing for Miss America, you know, we, we've all seen, you know, fan favorites or, you know, contestants that you think, wow, you know, she came from a state that had, you know, 50 plus contestants. Miss America has less contestants than this, or my national pageant has less than what she won at the state competition. And, um, I, I know I definitely thought of that at Miss North Dakota, my year, there was 19 of us. And I believe, you know, like my Miss Georgia, I think she had, you know, 50 to 60 contestants. And so for me going to Miss America, I was so worried about remembering everyone's name. (laughs) And I was like, there's just so many and they're all so wonderful. And, you know, I, I just just trying to get everyone down. And I was like, oh, for people that have competed at the at the large state pageants, this is usual for them. You know, they're they're used to this. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's it's something that you know, when you're the underdog and people don't see you coming or they don't see you as necessarily a threat or a front runner, uh, it can be kind of intimidating. Sure. And, you know, being on the other side of it now, after kind of overcoming that obstacle, um, you know, I really realized, and I realized this in the moment at Miss America was what an advantage it was. Mm. Um, and it's something that I don't feel like is talked about enough.
1: So what are, some of those pros. You just mentioned a lot of really positive things about being an underdog. The first one I can think of is there's no expectations. Absolutely. So what is that (laughs) like, what did that do? Like going in, no expectations, not feeling any pressure. Like what did that do to your preparation style?
0: Yes. Well, I know at least for my mindset, when I was there, I like you know, I wanted to do well, but at the same point, I was like, this is my one chance to be at Miss America. And, um, so I just wanted to have a really, really great time. And I think something with contestants, you know, we, we do all of this preparation and then we get to the pageant and we still feel like, okay, there's, there's more that I can do. There's more that I can do. And honestly, there's, there's really not, you've done everything you possibly can. Now you just need to enjoy it. And, for some reason, you know, because I just wanted to have fun, it really came across in the interview on Mm. stage. You know, I wasn't as nervous. I, you know, I didn't have this feeling of, oh, you know, everyone's expecting me to be flawless in evening gown or flawless in swimsuit. And so when there's really no expectations and you come out and you're a surprise, I think you even gain more credibility. Right. And, um, you know, that, that was something. And I also, when there's no expectations, you know, contestants, they're there to have fun too, but it's also a very competitive environment. And when you're not someone that, you know, they're saying, you're thinking, you know, oh, this person could potentially be Miss America. Everyone wants to be your friend. <laughs> everyone, you know, like you're having fun with contestants and it's not that really, really intense competitive environment um, that having those expectations can kind of foster.
1: Yeah. And I think too, I'm actually very bad at judging pageants on TV and I had to stop. Like I would go, it was like a sport. I would make my top 10 list. I would have <laughs> my rankings and I was always way off. And the reason why was I was so into the weeds. So I had seen months worth of photos and videos of every contestant. So I'm seeing every single thing along the way, which meant a couple of things. One, I knew too much. Like I was taking into account things that the judges would never have seen or known Absolutely. or picked up on. And then the second of that is people make their assumptions way quicker if you're a front runner, right? Like you, like every year there's a front runner and it's like half people love them and half people are like, man, not for me. So you don't have to worry about all that noise coming in in either direction. But the knowing too much always kills me. People put a lot of <laughs> expectation on people, and they're like, you know what? The judges don't see most of what we're seeing as pageant fanatics.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And keeping in mind, too, for all those hours you spend Googling and researching the judges, see them, maybe an interview for 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes, depending on the competition. Right. Yes. And there's no way. There is absolutely no way. Um, And so that is one thing if you if you do see yourself as a frequent front runner. And this is a great podcast, too, for how to kind of get that mindset out of the way and not to be a roadblock in your way either.
1: Well, I I can remember too, this is a a negative, so we're going to get to the the cons in one second, but to build up what we just said, I remember, and I've talked about this in podcasts, is I I was a favorite going into my Miss International pageant, and I was so overwhelmed with stress and anxiety, and I remember leading up to the the final days of competition, someone said, well, you have to know you're the prettiest girl here, and you have to know everyone thinks that you own." And oh. she was like a chaperone. So she was like, I shouldn't she wasn't a chaperone because she couldn't say something like that if she was a chaperone, but she was like a lingerer, a pageant fan and lingerer and which everyone has those. And I appreciated the sentiment. I know what she, what she was trying to do was not negative, but it got into my soul and it was like one more, like, it was like the, the. As Mulan, if anyone watches the movie Mulan, it's the single grain of rice that tips the scale. Like that was it for me. And I didn't sleep for like three days because I had so much pressure and expectation. So I think that's the biggest con. I think another con is if you are one who allows influence to get to you, it can make you discouraged for an underdog perspective. So if you're constantly hearing, oh, so-and-so is the one to watch or this state is definitely gonna be in and you're hearing that and your name never comes up, Mm-hmm. it can get to you just the same way it can get to you if you are a front runner. Have you did you experience that at all, Kara, or were you able to really like of those 4 years of building up the confidence to compete and become Miss North Dakota? Did you kind of already have that thick skin built up? Um, I had a thick skin, but
0: the night before I was crowned Miss America. So, you know, back back then, I think they still do this, but I'm I'm not sure if they've changed it. You know, we would have a day between the final night of prelims, it would be Saturday would be the show me your shoes parade and all of that. And you would do your final preps for the final competition on TV. And then we would do the t- competition on Sunday. And that Saturday night, someone came up to my mom and said, you know, your daughter's pretty good. It's too bad. She's not from a bigger state. Mm. And at that point, competition was done, right? Like, if I wouldn't have made it into the top 15, I would have never had an opportunity to compete. And, um, you know, that night, I remember talking to my mom on the phone, and she had told me that that had happened. And, you know, I at first, I was like, why would you tell me this? You know, like, this is there's nothing more I can do. And, you know, I I can't help it that I didn't come from a big pageant state. But then at the same time, like, I, I remember getting off the phone, and I thought to myself, if I make get in top 15, I am going to show them. You know? oh. um, and and I really do think that that kind of gave me the extra push that night, you know, because the night before competition, especially before you're on television, and you know, there's all this pressure, and you've done everything you can, you know, I, I was just like, if I get that chance, I am going to show them and um, and it really kicked in that night and I I'm so grateful for it. But yeah, instead of being nervous, I was like, if I get the chance (laughs) I'm going to show, it doesn't matter where you come from, um, you know, or what resources you have and all of that. So, but I, I definitely think, you know, had I not had those years of competing and not winning, I might not have had that mindset Mm -hmm. and it might've really gotten to me and going into the final night and, and being called into top 15, that still might've been a thought that kind of lingered in my mind Sure, uh, was that I don't deserve to be here. Mm. And instead my mindset was, I'm going to prove why I deserve to be here.
1: So overall, you would say that there are more pros than cons to being an underdog.
0: I personally think so, but I think as the underdog, you have to take the time to recognize it. And I don't feel like it's done enough. Um, and you know, it's, it's so easy to get in your head and to think, you know, well, I don't have a shot. And, um, to kind of eliminate that is, is one of the most crucial things you can do as a contestant, especially if you're the underdog.
1: So you've put together your suggestion of five tips to succeed as the underdog from your personal experiences. So let's do this. What is number one?
0: Yes. So number one is recognize your power. So as the underdog, you have the ability to set the bar. So as we've stated, you're not trying to reach some type of expectation. And there's really, you know, there's not an expectation that you must be the best at all at all times. You really have this opportunity to shine. And I think when people are taken off guard and they're like, wow, I didn't expect that it sticks in their mind. And this is a hidden advantage that you have to utilize, Mm -hmm. um, because it's such an easy way for you to just kind of, you know, shoot out, shoot out of the cannon and be like, I am ready for this. And I want this. And I'm going to prove to you why, um, where, you know, when, when you are a front runner, you have that pressure of, I have to stay at this level, because everyone is expecting me to do it. Um, But at the same time, I do want to mention that a lot of times front runners do put the pressure on themselves. Mm -hmm. So while there may be this expectation, you might think that the expectation is there more than it actually is. And um, but as the underdog, you you don't have that you have the opportunity to really set yourself up for success. um, Which I think is is such an amazing quality of being an
1: underdog. So when you say it'll utilize that, that power to set the, the ability to set the bar, how can, how can someone who either thinks of themselves as an underdog or maybe is externally proclaimed as one, how do they, how do they make that happen?
0: Oh, numerous ways. Um. So yeah, for example, like I remember going, getting ready to go out for an evening gown and I was like, no one's going to expect me to to do this the way that I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, I I went out there, I did it. And even even then for prelims, like I remember I wasn't super happy with my performance. I thought it was fine, but I wasn't really excited about it. (laughs) And, um, I thought, okay, if I get into finals, I'm going to make it better. And so that again, kind of set the, set the stage of, you know, well, I did fine. People probably thought it was fine and I'll go into finals and I'm going to do it even better. And I'm just going to continuously build myself up, um, and kind of just rise through the ranks. And, you know, as, as contestants, it's so important that you stay consistent. Um, but also like staying consistent and continuously, you know, kind of rising above what people are expecting of you. Um, I remember going into interview and I think I even said this in my interview, watching it back. I, I, I didn't remember it at the time, but I remember watching it back and I told them in my closing, you know, I never thought a woman From North Dakota would win the title, let alone be me. Um, And I said, but I'm ready for the job. I want the job. And, you know, it's kind of like your final pitch, but I meant every word of it. And so I really utilized that there was I highlighted to the judges, I am not an expected state to win. And I'm probably a state you have never been to, (laughs) Um, you know, and you probably have no connection at all to North Dakota. Uh, But that doesn't mean you count me out. And so Mm -hmm. I really called it out there. Um, and I don't know if that would work for every contestant. And if every contestant is doing it, it might not be, you know, as impactful. Uh, because as I said, you know, I think all of us in some way have been the underdog. And whether it's your story or, um, you know, there's there's certain parts of each contestant that make them an underdog. But I think, you know, really highlighting it and letting the judges know that I am here to impress you is is kind of an advantage that I had that I capitalized
1: on. For sure. So, okay. Recognizing your power is number one. What's number two?
0: Okay. So we talked about some cons and this is probably one of the biggest thing is to be your own cheerleader. So if you don't believe in yourself, why would other people believe in you? And as the underdog, you have the ability to gain your fans. And so, you know, those fan favorites, you know, they, they have fans already there, right? That are following them that may not even know that much about them. But as the underdog, as you cheer yourself on and and you keep up that positive attitude, the fans are going to see it and they're going to think, wow, there's something about this contestant despite the odds, right? Like I I wasn't even looking at them before. They were not on my prediction list. I had no expectation. They've really shined in a way that I never expected. And a lot of times it's just that mindset of you believing in yourself the fans believing in you and you're able to gain and foster those fans. And once you're gaining those fans, it's a lot harder to lose them than the fans who just kind of pick their fan favorites based off of a picture or what they've heard.
1: Well, it's really, it's really easy to just kind of say like, okay, well just confident, but like, how do we, how do we help build that confidence? Like I'll start and then Car, if you have any other suggestions to add, one of my favorites is positive affirmations. So, um, actually, every January, me and my girlfriends we commit to sending a posit- positivity meme in our group chat every single day in January, and it's just something simple. And now that I'm, I'm older, I'm not competing. It's just more for like girl power feelings. But if I were when I was competing. I relied on positive affirmation. So I would constantly be building a Pinterest board of uplifting quotes or I would be seeking them out or I would be working with friends to find some and they would send them to me as I was preparing to compete. But hearing positive words is so critical. And on the flip side, I, I do like to mirror talk. I, well, I did when I was competing to both practice my interview and to repeat those positive affirmations to myself in the mirror because you don't just wake up confident Every day, right? Like it takes mm-hmm. a lot of practice to be able to get that confidence. So, what were some other things that you did, Kara?
0: Well, I definitely journaled. So, every night mm. I journaled and I would do it because I was afraid I wouldn't remember what had happened (laughs) throughout the week because there's so many things but at the same time it was really an opportunity to reflect and say you know this happened and this you know happened today and I felt really great about it and it's again kind of the same thing as you said it's just positive affirmations of you as a contestant but then another thing that was done and it was done both when I was competing for Outstanding Teen and in Miss America for Teen my mom's friend did it for me and at Miss America it was my state directors but they They wrote me cards for each day. Um, So I had something to look forward to, to open. Um, So it wasn't necessarily like just me pumping myself up, but it was people who believed in me. And that also helped too. So I would do my journal and then I would open my card for the day and it would say, you know, obviously it was written ahead of time, but it was like, today you did swimsuit and you were awesome. You know, (laughs) so it was like so great to hear it from someone else. And obviously they they wrote it ahead of time. So they had no idea. Like I could have fell. Aww. I would have had no idea. And it didn't matter because it just kind of proved to me that at the end of the day, if I walk away with the title or not, I'm always going to have these people that supported me and really taught me what it was to be in pageantry and what it means. And, um, you know, that my my journey doesn't stop here if I win a title or not. And so that was really helpful, too. And so while I was being my own cheerleader, I also had so many people behind me that also helped
1: Well, that's funny. I I wrote myself letters. I did the exact same thing that I wrote them myself, and I found them last week in my basement. Oh, Oh, so I didn't I didn't have the guts to read it, um, read them. But maybe I'll share them someday. But the other thing I I think about a lot was um, when I competed at Miss New York. The contestant right before me, her name was Acacia Court. She competed for Miss Connecticut, became Miss Connecticut went to Miss America, competed as Miss Connecticut USA at Miss USA. She just is absolutely stunning. She's a, a working correspondent. And I remember seeing her, she's a, a like a prima ballerina. Is that like the official term? Like a yes. very, yeah. a very good ballerina. <laughs> I don't know. And I, she was before me. So I'm watching her in swimsuit, like, and she's like five foot eight, beautiful long legs and like her hyperextension posing. It's just, she looked incredible. And I'm crumbling backstage. I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? I can't go after her. So um, I didn't do this then, but I wish I would have known about the psychology um, that I know now of like power poses. So if you are one of those people that you've done all that background work to build your confidence, and you're like in the moment and you feel it fading. We've talked about power poses on the podcast before, but do a quick Google search of power poses because if you're waiting in the wings and you're able to hit a power pose, like a super pose for 30 seconds as you prepare, all of that, um, all of the psychology, what kind of works like physiologically with your body. So um Rely on that too, because we all have moments, even the most confident person has a moment of like, what the heck am I doing here? So journaling, positive affirmations, power poses, mirror talk, writing cards by yourself or have others. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can dedicate time to building your confidence. It doesn't happen overnight.
0: Absolutely. Did you give yourself like pep talks right before you went on stage? Because I remember before swimsuit, I would always give myself some kind of pep talk. And it would, you know, I was not the thinnest contestant. I was not the fittest contestant. And I remember before swimsuit, I would always say, you worked really hard. There's nothing more you can do. You're awesome. (laughs) You know, like, like you would just give yourself this pump up. And um, I remember one of the best quotes I ever heard for swimsuit specifically um, was that I'm a soul with a body not a body with a soul Mm. and I would always tell myself that before I went out and um, it was just like that that last minute pep talk of I believe in me you can do this you got this Um, did
1: you ever do that, Jesse? I didn't. I was the contestant that you hate for sure, because (laughs) I'm backstage. I'm doing my final sit-ups. I'm dancing my energy out backstage. Like, and that was a time when I was competing in swimsuit. It was a time where I was desperate to win. Like I would have done, I would have sold my grandmother under the bridge. Like I would have done anything to win. And that's why I didn't, because I was so desperate to win instead of just being me and I was just – I tried way too hard. So I was not that. When I was competing for Miss International, it was more just – I had mentioned, like, my nerves were, like, out of this world. So I was doing anything I could to just become. So I did not do the pep talks, but I do love that idea.
0: Yeah. Based on what you said, too, now I remember I'm also, like, a pacer. And I've always been that way. Like, on the phone when I have, like, a job interview or something, I can't sit still. I have to pace. <laughs> um, and I would do that, and I think that sometimes would – contestants would be like what is she doing you know but it would just help me you know instead of a dance I would just pace back and forth so that Nervous was another game.
1: yeah yeah yes. so what's what's number three for for our underdogs listening
0: Yes. So number three is stay true to yourself. And this is um, I know it sounds so cliche, but it's so easy to compare yourself to other contestants. So just like how you said, Jesse, where, you know, you you watch the prima ballerina before you, um, but especially just fan favorites. And you need to feel like, you know, there's this, this feeling like I have to do what they do to also be a favorite. And the biggest thing is do not do that. And I always think of it like a race. So if you copy the favorite, you'll always be allowed behind them. But if you differentiate yourself, you can really at that point bypass them. Mm. Um, So stay true to who you are, know what your strengths are, even what your weaknesses are, and kind of capitalize on that. But don't look at a fan favorite and think if I do that, I will also be a favorite. Um, Because it's it's not going to distinguish you and it's not going to give you that opportunity to really kind of rise up.
1: So did you ever try to intimidate and imitate somebody else in your four years leading up to being Miss North Dakota?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I keep thinking like, oh, well, if this one last year, it'll win again this year. And that is not the case. Um, I think we've talked about this quite a bit is how, you know, every panel of judges is different. There is no set criteria. So while you may feel like, you know, this is what you have to do to win, specific example I can give is that, you know, I kept thinking when I go to Miss America and I thought this as a long, young girl, I would wear white for evening gown. That is the color I will wear because mm-hmm. that's the color that wins. There's that yep. quote, winners wear white. And I ended up not wearing white, and a ton of the contestants that year did and It really made me stand out,
1: yeah, for sure and I can remember um i mean i've seen it many times, but for me, I was so addicted to Miss America when I was young, and when I competed the first time a- uh, Angela Perez Baracchio, you mentioned Angie before in, in one of our podcasts i I want to say i don't remember what year she was, but anyway it was it was pretty relevant to the time that I was competing and I had been watching every Miss America content piece I could find, I remember that was before social media and I would, it wasn't before the internet, but it was a long time ago and there wasn't a ton of content to like devour. Um, so it was like any highlight show I could find, I watched on repeat over and over and over again. And she used a quote that was, uh, I always had a voice, the crown gave me a microphone. So I wrote that quote into the sunset. And I did, I will say I did credit her in my my paperwork when I wrote it in the paperwork. So it wasn't like I chose to use it as mine. But I was like, now looking back, everybody says that it's mm-hmm. so, um, it just is like fades into the background at that point. So I chose to use somebody else's words to describe how I felt instead of just finding my own words. And I think that really set the tone, um, for me as a young contestant of leaning on other people who have done it before me. And you have to get away from that mindset.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that story.
1: Yeah. Um, I- I have plenty, Cara, plenty. <laughs> um,
0: so so what's, what's number four? Um, so number four is marathon mindset. So as the underdog, even if you don't feel like you're beginning the race at the same point, right, if you feel like there's this uphill battle that you have to somehow go through before you get to where those fan favorites are, remember that pageant prep is always a marathon and there is plenty of time to catch up. And that's that's one of my favorites. As I remember as I'm thinking back as a contestant, I always felt like, oh, I have to do so much more, right? Like people, I have to improve all these expectations, and you know, I have to I have to get over all of these things to be able to finally be at the same level and seen the same as other contestants. And it's not really the case, as we said, you know, the the judges don't have all the time to Google. They they don't have as much information you do. But just remembering that pageant prep, you know, you put in the time, you put in the work and you're going to be at the same starting point as those that may de- may be deemed as, you know, the top dogs or the fan favorites.
1: Sure. And like, I just think of this quote, comparison is the theft of joy. So if you're constantly comparing along the way, you're never going to hit a place where you can own the confidence of where you are in your own journey. And I think that's really detrimental to you is is that a whole experience? And my, my first year, I remember, like they always say when you're at a pageant that's like several days long a, a week for most state pageants, uh, two weeks to a month for Miss America or Miss USA or Miss Universe or Miss World or Miss Earth any of those are a very long period of time, too. It's also the survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. If you can't stay in the positive headspace that you're developing for yourself, You won't make it to the end. You'll be shining on stage at the very last day when they're crowning the winner. So if you are a front runner, that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Remember that like that is another positive to being an underdog is you can fly under the radar, like do what you need to do with no expectation that fills your soul and then peak at the right time. That's how this works.
0: Absolutely. And I do think pageant burnout is, is such a concern.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And I
0: remember I've gone through it. Have you gone through it, Jesse, where you just feel like I've done everything I can. I can't be a better contestant, but there's always more you can do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And it eats at you and you're exhausted, you're frustrated, or like you spend hours working on your talent or your walk and you're like, "I, I can't do this anymore. But like, I still could have done more, right? Like, but you just mentally can't. And you have to keep in mind, like you talked about the marathon mindset. It's all about like, okay, if you've had enough, have enough and mm-hmm. go to sleep and come back rested and fresh because especially that underdog mentality, it, it's exhausting in a different way than being the front runner and having all that pressure. So you have to be at your best mindfulness wise to be able to succeed too.
0: Absolutely. And another thing, too, I've seen just as we're as we're talking is a lot of the front runners, I think, you know, I, I've seen this a lot is that they come in and they say, you know, because I've won all these other pageants, I'm going to win this one. And they don't put as much work in. And so again, not having those expectations or feeling like, you know, you have to overcome this mountain and you've been running this marathon the whole time. Sometimes it's already going to put you ahead when, you know, you're putting in all of this extra effort, all of this extra prep, you know, more about the system potentially, um, you know, so, so keeping that in mind as well is that if you are a fan fan, and you are listening to this is that nothing is guaranteed so put in the work put in the time even if you feel like I am you know the best contestant I can be there's always more you can do to better yourself and to make you a stronger title holder if given that opportunity
1: yes so with all of that said let's bring it home what's the number five item on your list of ways to stand out as an underdog
0: Oh, I love this one. And I think the, it, one of the biggest things to remember as an underdog is that everyone loves an underdog story. So being the underdog is not always easy. There are times when you feel like all of the effort you've put in has gone unnoticed, especially if a lot of those efforts are done behind closed doors. But at the end of the day, it's the underdog stories that we remember and that we cheer for.
1: And like, did you ever let that underdog feeling get to you? like where like it was really beating you down like had that feel and how did you get out of that
0: Yeah, oh definitely. Um I you know I just continued to persevere. And as you said like it is a marathon and there's going to be times when you have to kind of take a break <laughs> and you know you reevaluate. I did that a lot. There was one year when I decided not to compete and I just felt like there's there's nothing more I can do. It's just not in the cards for me. This is something that will never happen. And when you reevaluate, when you think about, you know, what I bring to the table, what, you know, qualities that I have that maybe other contestants don't have and see your status as an underdog as an advantage. It's really when you can kind of take off and you can shine. Um, And I do think, you know, like pageantry, there were so many moments when I felt empowered, um, but especially those moments when you shine and and you really come out successful when the odds were against you and I remember all the time on the road as Miss America people would say you know oh I had you picked and like the whole time I would be like no you didn't yeah exactly because <laughs> like, I didn't have me picked until like towards the end right like I, I just didn't think it was in the cards for me um, but you know that was always fun to hear too and um, also the people who are just brutally honest and were like I did not have you picked and I was like well great because you know a whole group here we are (laughs) yep they picked me and that's even better you know yeah so um So, yeah, so it can definitely be one of the most empowering moments. And, you know, I think even now after pageantry and going into, you know, all aspects after the crown, um, it's something that I continue to remember. And somehow, you know, because of that instance, there's there's been numerous times where I've ended up feeling like the underdog. And it's when you overcome those obstacles that you really, you know, you feel empowered and you can continue to to persevere on. And, you know, when you faced with a challenge, it's like I've overcome something so much harder than this that no one expected me to do. Um, And so really, like, I've kind of become fearless at this point. And it's like, you know, one of my favorite things is, you know, the worst thing that can happen is they say no, well, they already said no, right? Like, if you don't even try, Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. And, um, and so that's kind of how I've approached everything since then. And so, you know, not only recognizing the power you have as an underdog, but also recognizing what being an underdog does for the future, and um, kind of how you approach life.
1: And I wanted to ask this question earlier, um, but I missed my opportunity. So I want to ask it again before we wrap things up. But what percentage of contestants in a pageant do you think consider themselves an underdog or could be considered an underdog? Do you have a guess? Oh, oh my goodness. I now mean, have an answer. I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, you know, so
0: it's so interesting because I think everyone, when you go into a pageant, there's no contestant that's going to be a hundred percent confident. You know, we all have feel like we have strengths and we have wit- uh, weaknesses. And, you know, I, I would say probably like at least 80 percent and some may not show it. Right. <laughs> like, um, you know, and it might not be something that's as obvious as, you know, you um, coming from a state that has never won but maybe you know specifically thinking new york coming in as the third miss new york and competing for the title you know i'm sure kira did not think that it was going to be in the cards for her right Mm -hmm. and there's also these expectations of well new york's won twice now you have to be up to that up to that standard so there's there's different ways of seeing being an underdog and it might not always be communicated or a contestant may not really realize they are, but they have the feelings that they are. Um, so I would, I don't know, I'm thinking like 80%, but maybe like 30% actually admit it. (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) I think, I think you and I are actually pretty close. I, I usually use this formula. 25% are probably considered front runners or Mm -hmm. like you see them and on the surface it everyone thinks they could win the title and there's about 25 more that are like okay they're like on the on the cut they're probably like top 10 material and then everybody else is like a meh so I would say with that formula I'm I'm at like 75 percent of people I would consider an underdog in any pageant that they compete in Absolutely. so you said 80 I said 75 <laughs> we're very close yeah oh my goodness yeah, So I think people think about underdog and they're like, okay, like they're the first, the old, like there's one underdog in every pageant. No, the majority, the vast majority of contestants are underdogs. Like that's something that you just have to be mentally prepared and aware of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
0: take it and make it an advantage. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's one of the best adva- advantages that is
1: not talked about enough. So let me let me recap the numbers, and then I will let you summarize your final thoughts on this topic, and um, we'll go from there. So number one was recognizing your power. Number two, be your own cheerleader. Number three, stay true to yourself. Number four, have a marathon mindset. And number five, remember that everyone loves an underdog story. So if you could summarize this episode, um, Cara, for our listeners, what would you say?
0: Yes. So I would just say, you know, throughout our throughout our lives, we're always going to have points where we feel like we're an underdog, whether it's in pageantry or not. And it's how you take that circumstance or how you're feeling and, you know, kind of turn it and think, you know, because I may not be a fan favorite, I may not be the one that they're expecting to win, there are no expectations for me. I'm able to set the bar for myself. I'm able to really shine. I've put in the work. I've put in the time. I know that I'm capable of this. And you know, everyone loves that story of someone who overcame the odds. And you know, being an underdog is an amazing advantage, but you have to recognize it as an advantage and not see it as a disadvantage.
1: Sure, so if you would like to be featured for our podcast, create a contestant profile with all of your information, hidden facts, and what makes you special. Then email support at pageantplanet.com with the title podcast feature, so we can review your profile. We will let you know after you submit if you're scheduled. And thank you for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this show or from one's previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It may seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. So until next time, take care. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.